welcome to Tea and Strumpets, a Regency Romance Review. I'm Zoe. And I'm Kelsey. And today we have a little bit of a Bridgerton Season 2 update. Ooh. So Nicola Coughlin recently tweeted that she was surprised at how big corgis were. So... (gasps) That means that although we don't have photographic confirmation, we have confirmation that Newton is on set. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Newton has arrived, everybody. And it sounds like he is as big as he is supposed to be. And I am really excited. Ugh. Corgi shenanigans. Ugh. I love it. Yeah. I've seen a couple behind-the-scenes pictures. Well, not behind the scenes, but like, you know, paparazzi sort of or super fan shots from a distance of things. And it looks really exciting and great, of course. Of course. I loved it when the first, when they were filming the first season and you were first getting the pictures mm-hmm. and the this and the that. I was like, oh, so exciting. Oh, what's this? <gasps> I just, <laughs> I'm, I mean, our eight episodes on season one were basically eight episodes of excitement over season two. So, yes, we're all really excited. I was really excited. I handed someone the Viscount who loved me because I thought they needed a book pick me up. And I was like, I know romance isn't your thing, but I know you watch Bridgerton. So I'm just going to give you the second book because (laughs) it's really good. (laughs) It really is. Well, today we are not talking about the second book. We've already done that quite a bit. Uh, So we're talking about the second epilogue from the fifth book, which is To Sir Philip with Love. Yes, that is indeed what we are talking about today. So Zoe, do you want to take us where we left off? Yes. So at the end of To Sir Philip with Love, there was a bit of an epilogue. And the epilogue is actually a letter. As we know, Eloise loves to write letters. And Mm -hmm. this is a very sweet and short letter to her unborn daughter. She's pregnant and she she doesn't obviously know that it's a girl yet, but the, the kind of the the footnote of it is a letter to her daughter Penelope on the occasion of her birth. So it's just a really sweet letter about their family and kind of the day to day and that they're very excited for her to arrive. And yeah, it's just sweet and warm and good. So we kind of have like a blank slate for starting off with our second epilogue. Yes, we do. And in fact, our second epilogue, while we do get to discuss Eloise and Sir Philip, It is actually done through the point of view of Amanda Crane, Eloise's stepdaughter, the little demon child (laughs) that we met in the book. Yes. So Amanda Crane is now 19 years old, and she is visiting with their neighbor's daughters who are around the same age as Amanda, and she finds them a little boring, staid. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not the kind of women that she feels a kinship with, to say the least. And unfortunately for her, they're all really, like, ready to catch her brother's eye. <laughs> so she's often thrown in close proximity. And on this current visit, she is then told that Mrs. Brogham's nephew... Charles is coming to visit, and all the girls despair because apparently Charles tormented them as children. (laughs) And Eloise, playing Mama Matchmaker, decides to offer Amanda services to show Charles about on horseback. 
Because Amanda has refused a London season, which Eloise was totally fine with. But that means there's not a lot of young eligible bachelors in the town. And so she maneuvers this to happen. And when the next day comes and Amanda's despairing because it's hot and they never actually specified a time. So she's been waiting around since noon and Eloise is just writing letters. And there's a cute moment where Eloise talks about her prolific letter writing that we know Mm -hmm. all about. And she's kind of reflecting on her life and how it's a good thing because her father wouldn't have done well in a season in London, but she really admired the way they loved each other. And she doesn't miss her first mother because Eloise is the mother that she could have wanted. But anyway, so Charles does come to visit. All the Brogham daughters are there. And the reason why is because Charles has suddenly become a very handsome man. And so he and Amanda go out for their ride. And immediately he's like, oh, thank you. I don't know, like, I needed that escape. I wasn't planning to bring them all with me. I only agreed to this ride because it was to escape them, and yet somehow. Uh, But anyway, so they get talking, and it turns out they have a lot in common. They both have a little bit of a mischievous nature, and they don't even end up going for a ride. They end up talking until it gets, the evening starts to gather, and then they continue to walk and talk some more. And that evening, Sir Philip comes across Amanda and she says to her father, and she's talking with her father, and he slowly says, oh, I heard there was a guy coming to call today. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, there was. (laughs) And there's a cute little father-daughter moment. And uh, he was saying, oh, I always told your mother I was going to have to beat the guys off with a stick once (laughs) you came of age. And she jokes because her father never really did have to get the stick handy because Charles was the one. And they end up getting married and she feels very satisfied with her own happily ever after. Aw, it was very satisfying to see Eloise and Philip see Amanda fall in love and for us to see Amanda fall in love. And I would love to Mm -hmm. talk all about my thoughts about it. But first, shall we adjourn to the parlor? We shall. Today, we want to share with you a book that is coming out on the 29th of June, which is right around the corner. And this book is entitled Outrageous, and it's by Minerva Spencer. It's perfect for the discerning romance reader craving a story that turns expected tropes upside down. Minerva Spencer weaves a tale where the heroine kidnaps the hero and threatens to have her way with him instead of the other way around as they race to the Scottish border. Outrageous is the second installment in The Rebels of the Ton, a new series about a younger generation that has no qualms about breaking the strict rules of Regency-era London. All right. Let's break those rules. Break down those barriers. I love it. Yes. So the synopsis is, from handsome hostage to unexpected suitor, when Ava de Courtenay kidnaps Godric Fleming, her only plan is to stop the irritating Earl from persecuting her beloved brother. But once she has the intriguing rogue in the confines of her carriage, she longs to taste the passion she senses simmering beneath his rugged exterior. Her forbidden plan is foiled, however, when Godric turns the tables, taking her hostage instead and demanding they marry at once. 
The last thing Godric wants to do is make the fiery, impulsive Ava his wife, despite her delectable mouth and alluring innocence. He knows from experience that nothing is forever, not even love. But honor demands he do right by the lady, no matter how stubbornly Ava tries to hold on to her independence. And while the road to the Scottish border is beset with danger, Godric's greatest challenge is to keep his hands and his heart from his captivating bride-to-be. Oh my god, I want to read this right now. (laughs) Well, we're lucky because we have copies, so let's get on it. (laughs) Oh, we definitely will. And if you'd like to find us on social media, of course you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at T as in Tom, N as in Nancy Strumpets, Facebook slash TN Strumpets, and YouTube by searching our name. And if you've found us on YouTube and you're listening to us there, now is a great time to click that thumbs up and hit subscribe before you forget. We have tons of Bridgerton content. We know a lot of people come to us for the Bridgertons, especially on YouTube. So if that's what you're here for, Hi there. Thanks for listening. And we would love your support. So let us know what you think of the episodes and what you want to hear by liking and commenting and subscribing to our channel. If you'd like to know ahead of time what we're reading each month, subscribe to our email notifications via our website. If you subscribe, you'll be the first to know what we're reading each month. Plus, you'll get all sorts of extras, including exclusive content from each of the authors who join us on the podcast. Our website is romancepod.com, and there you can find episodes, more information about us, and other resources. So take a look. All right, so... Now we get to talk about Amanda's love story. And this is now the second, second epilogue that isn't about the main character. Because we had Posey's love story before, which was, we we really liked that. I mean, I was sad to not get Benedict and Sophie, but I actually felt in this story, we got more Eloise and Philip than like in in Posey's story with 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 her love story. I thought like Benedict and Sophie were like barely there. And in this one, you really you really get to check in with both Eloise and Philip, and I liked that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And uh, you felt like you kind of saw the way the family had grown. Amanda talks about Penelope as well as her other younger siblings who she loves, and um, she you really see how that family dynamic has thrived. And Amanda and Oliver, who were so resistant towards Eloise's presence at the beginning, have really seen the benefit of having her in their lives. And they don't regret having her in their lives. In fact, they are, you know, upon reflection, they regret how they behaved. At least Amanda does how she behaved when Eloise first came around. So it's really quite fun. And of course, you know, there's just some really great moments, you know, um, I highlighted a couple quotes because I thought they were just kind of oh, fun. Oh, good. I have, you know, I have one or two. It's a very short thing. Okay. So in a bit of foreshadowing, uh, when Charles is brought up and the Brogham girls are so distraught at his staying for two <laughs> weeks, um, Amanda's thought is, anyone who could inspire such dread among the Brogham daughters must have something to recommend him. Yes, I really liked that. I have another one very similar to that. I think it's like that same scene. And it's um, not, I hasten to add, that that I dislike the Brogham daughters. Unlike their brother, none of them was granted every wish and whim, and thus they are not at all unbearable. But they are, how shall I say it, placid and biddable, and therefore not a natural sort of companion for me, about whom such adjectives have never been applied. (laughs) 
Oh, I love that one too. That so was so good. I love that about her. She's just, she's so self-aware. Yes. Oh, and then my favorite last one after they've married is Charles had mentioned doing some breeding program for horses. And so she says, Charles is thinking of beginning a breeding program for horses. And it's the oddest thing, but apparently the breeding of plants and the breeding of animals are not entirely dissimilar. He and my father have become great friends, which is lovely, except that now my father visits quite often. (laughs) I know. I thought that was so sweet. I loved that. I was like, it was just... I don't know. I, I I mean, I know that she's kind of saying like, oh, dad, get out of here. Um, and they actually yeah. they have an encounter in this one um, where they're so loud. Well, she's so loud that her dad like leaves very quickly the next morning and she's just mortified. Um, that was hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. But at the same time, I really love that she like She's still really close to her her dad, you know. I that's such a sweet thing. Mm-hmm. It really is, and I think that at the beginning I was kind of put off because they described Sir Philip as like kind of this like bumbling mm-hmm. country mm-hmm. guy who, and I wasn't too thrilled with that. But then you see the interaction with Sir Philip with Amanda, and it's really so sweet, you know. And he says some things to her, and Amanda's like, "Oh, he's talking to me like I'm an yes. adult," you know. That's kind of weird. But it's, you know, he's just a really thoughtful man when it comes to his kids. He always has been. And it was so cute because he asks, like, he comes up and it's with a, I love the beginning of the interaction. He asks her, um, have you seen any shooting stars? (laughs) And she says, no. And he's like, do you need Hmm. one? Because they used to do wishes on shooting stars. And that's kind of what starts the whole conversation off. But I just thought that was such a sweet moment between a father and a daughter. Oh, and there's there's not much that can be sweeter than like father-daughter moments for, for me. And I think you're you feel similarly. Like those those sort of moments really like they pull up my heartstrings. But I wanted mm-hmm. to mention two things that I thought were interesting about this one. One is that it's written in first person, which is different. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge yes. lover of first person books. Like it just it's not my favorite thing, but I it worked for Agreed. me for this for this short thing and it it very much felt like Amanda's voice was, you know, what we were what Julia Quinn wanted us to hear. And and mm-hmm. I liked it because it was very different than a lot of the things we've read from Julia Quinn. Agreed. And I think that it was. And I think that it really – you really got the idea of this, this second happily ever after, this extended one was – from the point of view of Amanda kind of catching you up on what's going on, as well as what's going on with her, but what's going on with the family and seeing that. And it was a perfect little snapshot, as we've said. And I did like, you know, I wasn't disheartened by the fact it was in first person. In fact, it kind of made it a little yeah, better. No, for sure. There was something there was something special about it. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is that um, Amanda kind of reflects on her feelings about her mother committing suicide in this. Mm-hmm. She and does. I, I actually have um, a quote from it, and I'm going to read that because I think it's quite interesting. She says, I know I should feel compassion and sympathy for her. My current mother was a distant cousin of hers and tells me that she was sad her entire life. She tells me that some people are like that just as others are unnaturally cheerful all the time. But I can't help but think that if she was going to kill herself, she might as well have done it earlier. Perhaps when I was a toddler, or better yet, an infant, it certainly would have made my life easier. 
And that was like really, that was really heavy of a statement. Yeah, it was. But she also goes on to say how she consulted with Posey's husband Mm -hmm. (laughs) about that saying, like, is that sinful of me to think that? Yeah. And he says, no, I don't believe so. Because the idea is like, it, you know, it's so hard, but she thinks about like her early childhood and the almost the trauma of it because she grew up like not really having a mother who could mm-hmm. mother. And then the mother was taken away from her, which is like, you know, so difficult because it's like, I just wanted to be with my mom and I wasn't allowed to. And now like, I really can't be with her. And for a child of eight, which is how old they were then, you know, that's very difficult. Yeah. I have a second quote where she says, instead, I remember standing outside her door feeling very small and frightened. And I remember tiptoeing a great deal because we knew we mustn't make noise. I remember always feeling rather nervous as if I knew something bad were about to happen. And I mean, so I think like, I, I, I actually kind of think that this was done well. And I think it couldn't have been done as well if it wasn't in first person, because this is literally Mm -hmm. how Amanda felt. This is how Amanda felt about the things that happened to her and how she Mm -hmm. has kind of processed it and learned to deal with it. And I, I can imagine that other people who have gone through traumas that are similar or even, you know, different, but have similar characteristics. I think, I think that they could feel the same way. Like this seems like a very familiar way to feel to me, like looking, looking at that, looking at a child who had something bad happen to them. Like I, I remember someone in my life who lost someone when they were very young and when they were very young, they told me, well, I don't think about that person anymore because then it doesn't hurt, you know? And so I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have grief as a child, it's, you know, it's really hard to process. And so I can totally understand and sympathize with Amanda wishing that it had been when she was younger. So it hadn't been, you know, such a bigger it's had hadn't been such a defining part of her young life. Yeah, I I I can I can sympathize with that. Um I mean, I I since this kind of scenario didn't happen to me, um I don't know like how delicately this was handled. I didn't really think that hard on it to be honest until we came into the podcast, but I remember reading it and at first going like, "Whoa, she's Julia Quinn's going there." And then I was like, Oh, well, a lot of this makes sense. The more I hear the things Amanda said, like the the quote I shared where she talks about standing outside the door. And I just, I remember really feeling sympathy for Amanda in that moment and saying like, you know what? I, I think that she's processed it in the way that she can and in order to Mm -hmm. be able to move on from it. And, oh, it's so sad, but, um, but she gets her happily ever after. She does get her happily ever after. And it's quite fun. It is. It is. (laughs) I would say I'm very much looking forward to seeing Amanda and Oliver portrayed on the screen, but we're not 100% sure we're going to get them. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know if their mother's going to suffer the same fate. We also don't know if we'll even have that season. Because I think they're only confirmed up to four seasons. Yeah, and I wonder if if at like season three or four, they'll decide to write in like subplots 
And like some of those characters will not get a season, but we'll get a subplot. But mm-hmm. but we'll find out. I mean, but I also think they might not do Benedict's love story in the first four seasons. I think they might switch it around a little bit. Yeah. We'll have to see. We will have to see. Very intriguing indeed. Yes. Well, we will be back with more Bridgerton epilogues. We still have three more, which I'm excited about, uh, but that'll be a little bit in the future. So next week, we actually are going to do something a little bit different. It's something that we've done before, and I was actually inspired to do this because we have our poll out right now for our next series um, that we're going to do. And I just had a section at the bottom where I said, if you have any other thoughts or questions, please leave them here. And a lot of you guys wrote really nice things there. So thank you so much for that. I We, we really appreciate all the kind words. And um, one of our listeners wrote that their favorite episode was the Gal Pals episode. And... Hmm. We haven't done like a series recommendation in a while since Gal Pals. And so we were inspired by that listener to do that again. So next time we're going to do like, we'll come up with maybe a better name for it, but uh, we're going to do a roundup episode on like the best series about siblings. So Bridgerton Ah. is definitely one of them, but there are so many awesome sibling series. I already had like three jump into my head. (laughs) Exactly. So we're going to have fun with that one next time. So we will be back with that. Um, But in the meantime, speaking of that series poll, I just want to throw out that next week we are going to announce the winner. And I will say that it is very close. So if you have a strong opinion about which series you want us to read next, either the Bedouin Saga by Mary Ballou or the Maiden Lane series by Elizabeth Hoyt, now is the time bit.ly slash strumpet series. And we'll have that open until uh, I think July Third is going to be the last day that you can cast your vote for that. So July 3rd. And uh, I've seen it flip-flop back and forth. That's how close it is a few times. So if you have a strong opinion, please come vote. Bit.ly slash Strumpet Series. Yes, now is the time to be heard. (laughs) Well, we can't wait to be back next week with more awesome sibling series. So thank you all so much for listening and join us next time. And may all your ever afters end happily. Tea and Strumpets is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.